Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome to the show, MD Nation. We are here with the Week 2 preview on Thursday Part 1. So we're going over the Thursday night game later on tonight and all of the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. And we have a lot of 1 o'clock games this particular week. So we have a jam-packed episode for today. And of course, at the very end, I have a few questions picked out for the mailbag segment from you, the fans. Make sure you're following me along and tweeting at me or contacting me to get your questions on there. And of course, following along all along for all of the updated news notifications on all of the players throughout the week. There's a lot of news report coming out today. A lot of news that just broke a couple hours before coming on to the show that we're going to talk about in today's show. And then make sure you're keeping up with it all. Make sure you're following me at MDSFFshow on Twitter, at MDFFshow on Facebook. And of course, you can go to website www.mdffshow.com. 
for all the scoring leaders and weekly rankings and projections to help you get prepared for your matchups this week to help you win as your one-stop shop for fantasy football. I will have my week two rankings out a little after this podcast drops this afternoon, so it will be out for you before the Thursday matchups, so that way you can adjust your rosters accordingly if need be. And of course, make sure you're asking me all those questions so I can get them out to you and be your tool to help you win your championship leagues. Now, we only have a few guys to go over in the latest news segment, so let's go ahead and drop that and get the show underway because it is jam-packed today. Latest news. Now, the first thing that we have to talk about, of course, is the Antonio Brown legal news. We were not around. Uh, we didn't record on Tuesday's podcast uh, before that news dropped, so I wasn't able to talk about it with you guys. So I will be talking about it in today's segment. And basically, at the end of the day, like I've always said before, I'm a fantasy football show. I don't focus on the feelings or whether or not he's guilty or what my opinion on as far as that aspect goes. You have plenty of other venues that you can go to that focus on those types of issues. I'm strictly here to tell you what is your fantasy football outlook for Antonio Brown in this situation. And as of right now, he's being investigated, but he's going to be available to play week two. We don't know how long it will take the NFL to complete their investigation. And we also don't know if he will even be found guilty by the end of it. My feeling on this is that Antonio Brown will probably be safe for this year. Just going back to the track record that the NFL has of how long they usually take to do these investigations. The allegations against him are actually on the older side leading to this point. While they just filed the lawsuit this past Tuesday... These are incidents that happened back in 2017 and 2018, which to me means that this will take a little bit longer to get to the bottom of and investigate before they're ready to find their results. Normally speaking, that's how it works. So because of that, Antonio Brown may be safe for the rest of the season, but most importantly for now, he's safe for week two. And even though this is going to be his first week being able to play with the New England Patriots, you still have to start him against the Miami Dolphins. They're going to get him going this particular week. They're going to get their offense off to a kickstart to see if they can feed everyone and this is the perfect team to do it because playing the Miami Dolphins is essentially a practice game for them at this point after watching what the Ravens just did to them after watching the Dolphins essentially quit and it was only week one and we're going to get into that game the preview later on in today's show but I would definitely make sure you're playing Antonio Brown and he will be available to play. The only other piece of news to bring you guys would be that Demarius Thomas was traded from the Patriots to the Jets this week. That's all because Quincy Inunua went to the IR, so Demarius Thomas comes in, and we're going to talk about that game in a little bit. Uh, Oh, actually, we're going to talk about that game in tomorrow's episode, where there are already sparks flying. We have Sam Darnold, who's going to be out with mono. Le'Veon Bell is getting an MRI on his shoulder after practice today. Uh, There's a lot of things that are going in the negative for the Jets right now. And on top of it, Demarius Thomas himself did not practice because of a hamstring issue. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on that. And I'll have more information for you when we preview that game tomorrow, because that's actually the Monday night game against the Cleveland Browns. That's actually it for the latest news segment. So we're going to take a quick break right here, come back on the other side. We're going to start previewing the games for tonight and 1 o'clock on Sunday. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. 
After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. For the Thursday night game tonight, there are a lot of questions that are going to need to be answered. There was big hype around Jameis Winston coming into this season as a sleeper quarterback, and he's definitely going to have a stretch where he's going to put up 30-plus points for a string of games, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half. We know it's going to happen. They have the weapons to do so. They have the system in place to do so. I think what my disappointment is, because he was definitely one of my guys that was a sleeping quarterback, and I have quite a few shares of Jameis. Miss Winston is I was looking for tangible improvement in his skill set, in his fundamentals more specifically. And I did not see that. It looked like the same old James Winston to me when he gets down, when things don't go his way, he starts just throwing the ball wherever he wants to. Now, this game could have been a lot better for James against the San Francisco 49ers. They had two touchdowns called back due to penalty, which would have helped them out and put them in much better situations moving forward and maybe would not have put so much pressure on him later on in the game to force throws. So this very well could have gone on the other way for Jameis, which is why I'm not totally down on him like a lot of other people seem to be. However, this game is in Carolina. Carolina, while I do not like their secondary, they do have a good front four. They should be able to get a pass rush, and that was pretty much his Achilles heel against the 49ers in week one. When he had pressure in his face, he kind of let the ball fly. That's where his interceptions came off of when he had pressure. So having said all that, He's still in a situation where he's Jameis Winston. He could very easily just wake up, throw four touchdowns, and have it make no sense whatsoever because that's what Jameis Winston does best. My advice to you is if you have another option, and my my projections and rankings are going to be coming out later on today. I'm going to be doing a video on Sportscaster later on that highlights my top 12 from each position before the Thursday night game. If you have a different option, I would definitely contemplate that option. If you don't, I would not dump Jameis Winston or just pick up any quarterback off the waiver wire that you possibly can. I know Josh Allen is a popular waiver stream this week. I would still play Jameis Winston over Josh Allen this week. I know that Matthew Stafford is going to be a popular streamer this week. I would still start Jameis Winston over Matthew Stafford this week. Just to give you a few names, a few ideas as to what's going on there, I still think he can come back and have a decent game. A lot of things went wrong for Tampa Bay in that one. and Like I said, they could have had a better game all around, and that includes Jameis Winston. And all it takes a couple of penalties to not go against them, and they would have been okay. As far as the running back situation goes, I don't see how you could possibly feel comfortable starting a Tampa Bay running back at this moment. But just so you guys are all up to date and aware, Peyton Barber, for whatever reason, is still listed as the starter. Now, you all know, if you've been listening to the show, and if you're new, you'll find out right now that I am not a fan of Ronald Jones. I think he's a bust. I don't never understood the hype on him in the first place. I think he has no vision. He runs too high. And he's not as explosive as people make him out to be. Having said all that, he is still more explosive than Peyton Barber. He does provide them at least somewhat of a spark over Peyton Barber. Because Peyton Barber is just going to fall forward for three yards. Who cares? What's that going to do for your team, especially on a team that looked like they needed a spark last week? And Ronald Jones, to some degree, kind of provided that for them and gave them a running game. We'll see if that winds up being his best game of the year or not. But I do think it will be sooner rather than later before Jones gets his shot 
at being the starting running back, which is why he was in my waiver wire segment. If you had an extra bench spot to be able to stash a guy who's going to be a potential running back, starting running back sooner rather than later. I do believe that this game was on Sunday and not on Thursday. I think there's a chance that he would have been the starter of week two. I think this game being on Thursday is kind of a reason why Peyton Barber gets to keep his starting job because he doesn't want to make too many changes on a short week. Mike Evans, I know he had a bad week. Don't worry about it. Mike Evans, traditionally, he lights up the Carolina Panthers. There's nobody in the secondary that scares me. The Buccaneers' offense will play better than they did last week. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you're starting both of those guys with no hesitations. The same thing goes for O.J. Howard. If you drafted O.J. Howard to be your number one starting tight end, there's no reason why you suddenly take him out now. Now, I don't love the matchup against Carolina. They traditionally do pretty well against the tight ends because Luke Keekley and their safety play can usually take them out. But O.J. Howard is a special talent. And while I'm not going to tell you that I feel uber confident that OJ Howard is going to have a great game, he is somebody you draft to be your tight end one for a reason. He has a unique skill set. He has a great ability. And I'm not going to suddenly bench him unless I have a great option available to me on the waiver wire in some leagues. Uh, you know, a TJ Hawkinson would maybe be the one guy who was widely available before the waiver wires hit on Tuesday and Wednesday night. I doubt he is at this point, but if he's somebody who would be available in your league, that is one person who I would think about starting over him. Another one would be Mark Andrews, another guy who should probably be widely owned at this point after Tuesday and Wednesday. But outside of that, there really aren't too many tight ends that could have been available to you after the draft that I'm going to be playing over OJ Howard this week, despite your uneasiness, which I can completely understand stand after coming off of an abysmal game against the San Francisco 49ers. On the Carolina Panthers side of the ball, nothing has to be said about Christian McCaffrey. You start him. I do like the wide receivers. If you drafted DJ Moore to be your wide receiver too, I, you know, he was one of my bus guys all, all year long, all summer long coming into this. He's still going to be one of my bus guys for where he was drafted. But if there was a game in which you were going to want to play DJ Moore, this is the matchup to play him against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While their defense... Didn't give up a lot of points to the wide receivers. That had more to do with San Francisco's offense looking terrible than it did to do with Tampa Bay having an improved defense, especially in the secondary. I suspect, if nothing else, DJ Moore in PPR leagues will have a very high floor for you in this game. And Curtis Samuel is a flyer in my book. He's not somebody who's a must-start. A lot of people are trying to tell you he's a must-start because I'm trying to tell you he's a must-start since the summer. He's been another one of my guys who's been a bust. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I am not a believer in Cam Newton's arm. And I was... I'm sorry, after watching the Rams game, I feel like that's enough to prove me 100% correct of what I was saying all summer long. His arm doesn't look the same. It's gone. He looked like he was afraid to throw the ball past 15 yards, and when he did throw it around that territory or deeper, it fluttered at the end. It kind of had that Eli Manning arc where it just runs out of steam halfway through once it hits a certain point. He doesn't have his arm strength anymore, so that's going to hurt Curtis Samuel most of all as he's the one who runs a lot of the deep patterns for them. Having said that, that Tampa Bay secondary can cure a lot of illnesses when it comes to what your ceiling potential is. I think Curtis Samuel is someone who can be a flyer this week if you have to try to hit a home run. But I typically don't like to try to do that on Thursday night games. So if you can bench him, I would. DJ Moore is the only wide receiver on Carolina who I would be okay with playing this week. Greg Olson is questionable to play. I don't see a scenario in which you're looking to try to play Greg Olson. There should be a lot of other better options out there for you that have much higher ceilings. He's not even a lock necessarily to get in the red zone, even what should be a plus matchup. 
One, because he's banged up, and two, he looked ungodly slow on Sunday. So I don't really love what I saw. He got targeted a lot. He was definitely involved, but I don't love what we've seen out of him, and I do have to believe that you would have better options to go to, even though Greg Olson is expected to play in this matchup. Now, other than talking about Cam Newton's arm, look, Cam's going to run. He's going to have a floor for you. He was terrible last week. That much is true. I do think against Tampa Bay, familiar, familiar foe at home, he should play a lot better, at least a lot safer. He didn't run that much in last week's game. I suspect that he will run more in this game. Now, having said all that, he's going to be more of a QB2, very low-end QB1, with a floor of hoping that he runs in this week's matchup. So he is somebody who could possibly be outside of my starting top 12 quarterbacks this particular week. And we'll find out this afternoon. Make sure you go to mdffshow.com to find out that later on today for my rankings and everything. And I'll post that up on Twitter and on Facebook once that is available. But Cam's going Cam's gonna to have a low ceiling this year, guys. He's not going to be able to add the throwing statistics to his rushing ability. Yes, he's going to run the ball more than he did on Sunday, so that's why I still say he's going to have a certain floor when it comes to that. But his ability to put himself over the top is when he can have those big games throwing along with his rushing stats. And I don't know how many of those games this year he's going to have. I will say, though, if there's a team that he could still have those type of games against it would be Tampa Bay if you're looking for potential upside here at the quarterback position moving on to our first Sunday one o'clock game we have the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati Tevin Coleman is out he's going to probably be out for the next four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain that means Matt Breida takes the start Raheem Mostert comes in as the guy who will be in the committee with Matt Breida look you probably have to start Matt Breida if you have him in your flex at the very least. But he showed you last week that things have not really changed too much since last year. While he played in almost every game last year, he was constantly hurt and missing parts of the game. This was no different. He got brought into the tent for a concussion protocol during this game. He was able to come back, and that's the good news. But he's somebody who's always a breath away from being hurt during the game. But you kind of have to play him going against Cincinnati, in your at least in your flex play. He's going to be the starter. It's a good system. The Bengals, I do not believe, are as good against the run as they showed. I think their defense overachieved a little bit there against Seattle, and Chris Carson still ran for a rushing touchdown. The only thing I would really be worried about when it comes to Matt Breida is that Raheem Mostert looked good on Sunday. He did. He looked fast. He looked like a one-cut. He looked like he truly fits the Kyle Shanahan system. He's definitely going to be utilized. It shouldn't be anything more than a 60-40 split, but... Knowing Kyle Shanahan, it could always be a little bit closer to 50-50 than that. So something to keep your mind on. Raheem Moster, I think, is a flyer flex play for me this week. If you absolutely need to go there, he will have some value for you in that sense because he's going to have a significant role in this offense. But hopefully you would have better options. But I do think he can be a flyer flex for you if need be. Not playing Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not going to be a streaming quarterback for me this particular week. The whole passing offense of the San Francisco 49ers is going to have to show me that they have a clue before I trust anybody not named George Kittle. Now, George Kittle goes without saying. He's a top three tight end any given week. So you're not really worried about George Kittle at the end of the day. And he had two touchdowns called back due to penalty in his own right this past Sunday. But the receiving core was pathetic. Dante Pettis only played two snaps. For what? What was the purpose? Was he more hurt than we all thought, or was Kyle Shanahan just being an idiot? 
uh, Kyle Shanahan is very close to becoming my new Adam Gase, where he's going to be the coach that I pick on all season long for just being a moron because that's all he has displayed to me. Dante Pettis is by far the most talented receiver on this receiving core. Why Dante Pettis more so than anyone else in this receiving core seemingly has to jump through hoops for Kyle Shanahan to actually just play him, I do not know. It strikes me, and that's why I say he's going to be my new Adam Gase because it strikes me a lot as a Devontae Parker situation with Adam Gase where he's clearly the number one wide receiver as far as talent goes, and yet for some reason you just refuse to play him. Because you're a moron. And Kyle Shanahan is chalking it up to my book. He's not a head coach. I do think there's a chance that he gets fired at the end of this season, especially if they don't turn this thing around. I think he's only an offensive coordinator and should have no say in the personnel. And if you can't tell him, I'm a 49ers fan, which is why I'm so frustrated with Kyle Shanahan right now. I don't care that we won the game. We won the game because Tampa Bay lost the game. That was why we won the game. It wasn't because Kyle Shanahan coached a good game or, or the team played well. And I, while Dante Pettis, I still think, will... I usually believe, you know, cream will rise to the top eventually. Kyle Shanahan seems determined to keep him on the bottom. So I'm not dropping him, but if they do go this week and he barely plays again this week, then you can go ahead and drop Dante Pettis. But he's not one of my flush guys. I still haven't been able to use my sounder yet for you, my new sounder I have for you when dumping a player yet for you guys. I will hopefully soon, but he's going to not be one of my flush guys until next week if he doesn't play a significant amount again. I'm not starting anybody. Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne. I'm not touching the receiving core of the San Francisco 49ers in this one. Cincinnati on the other side of the ball. I go back. I watched the tape against them against Seattle. That offense was highly impressive to me. And without A.J. Green on top of it, Zach Taylor is going to be a hell of a play caller. They're playing an up-tempo speed offense. They are using concepts from the Rams offense, but they are not using the same type of formations. It's going to be more based out of shotgun, so it's going to be in favor of what Andy Dalton likes to do best because he operates the best out of shotgun. They still mix in their one-back formations and under center and all that, and everything looked pretty good. They used a lot of motion. They got guys in mismatches. They moved Tyler Boyd and John Ross around. I expect them to do the same against the San Francisco 49ers. I do think Andy Dalton is a stream-worthy quarterback here at home against San Francisco. Remember, the 49ers, while their defense looked pretty good against Tampa Bay, they run a similar defense of style to Seattle. Seattle Seahawks. So Cincinnati Bengals essentially could implement the same game plan that they had. And the best thing going for them on top of that is I don't believe the 49ers defense is actually as good as Seattle's defense at the end of the day. And they don't have a secondary that can keep up with the speed of John Ross. I like John Ross this week. I think he's a high-end wide receiver three who's going to be able to give you some upside potential. Now, does he go crazy like he did last week? You know, odds would say probably not. But this would be a situation where if there was ever a chance for him to go back-to-back big weeks, this would be it. Because you have Sherman, you have Witherspoon, guys who do not run blazing 40s, guys who do not match up well with receivers that do have speed traditionally. And with John Ross running the similar Brandon Cooks type of role, Brandon Cooks always kills the 49ers because he has too much speed for the secondary. It could be a similar situation here with John Ross. So I do think he's somebody who can play as your wide receiver three, as your flex play with confidence. I love Tyler Boyd in half point and full point PPR leagues. In standard, he's he's more of a wide receiver three in standard because you're going to have to need him to find the red zone because him getting 100 yards is 
less than probable, but in half point and full point PPR leagues, he got peppered, and he's going to continue to get peppered until A.J. Green comes back. While last year, he actually performed better with A.J. Green out, This does with this being a different offense, with him looking like he's even a better receiver than he was a year ago, truly looking like he developed over the summer. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think as long as A.J. Green is out, Tyler Boyd has a healthy volume, especially in those type of scoring leagues, you're going to want to play them. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Joe Mixon is day-to-day with his ankle sprain. We still don't know what his likelihood is of playing this Sunday. That is something you're going to have to watch out for and be following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow to be able to know exactly where he stands as far as his Sunday availability goes. If he does not play, Giovanni Bernard will be the workhorse. And Giovanni Bernard has always been a high-end RB2 whenever he gets put in that situation when Joe Mixon misses games and Giovanni Bernard gets all the work. Uh, the volume will be safe there. He'll get throws. He's explosive enough. I don't like San Francisco's defense. They didn't have to play against an offense that actually had a running game last week. And Ronald Jones, who I hate and don't, I don't think is very good, uh, still was able to do was still able to be productive against them in that game. So. Whoever plays in this game, Joe Mixon does play, you're good to go. If Gene Y. Bernard does play, then that is somebody who, if he's still available on your waiver wire, he shouldn't be. You should be picking him up, especially if you're a Joe Mixon owner. But he could very well be a flex play that wins you the week this week for you. That pretty much wraps it up for them. I'm not touching the tight end situation as of yet until I see them be utilized more for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's pretty much it for that game. Next up, we have the Chargers and we have the Detroit Lions. This should be a good one. We're in Detroit. Chargers are going to be on the road here. They played pretty well last week. Definitely a lot of things to like. Uh, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a high-end RB2, borderline RB1 if you're in PPR and half-point PPR leagues. Now, look, I said after last week heading into the waiver wire segment because Justin Jackson was on there because he was only 40% owned in across all platforms that I don't believe the amount of work share that Austin Eckler received in that matchup is what the game plan for the Chargers is for him in most weeks moving forward. I think that had a lot to do with game flow. I think it had a lot to do with how effective he was being. But Justin Jackson was very effective in the touches that he was getting as well. And I don't think it's going to be a 65 to 35 split that it was between the two of them across all touches uh, this week. I don't think that was the game plan. I think there was more of a game flow thing. I think there's going to be an emphasis to get Justin Jackson more involved and have those splits be more of a... 60-40, 55-45 split between the two, especially when it comes to the carries. Now, Austin Eckler may still dominate the pass-catching work, which is why he's still a high-end RB2 in my book heading into this week, especially in PPR leagues. 
But as far as the carries go, I do expect there to be more of an even split and Justin Jackson to be a very low-end flyer flex play for you this week if you're just in a jam. Preferably, I wouldn't do it, but he should be owned in all leagues if nothing else. Mike Williams has what they call calling knee soreness, but a week-to-week. So it must be a significant amount of soreness in his knee to be week-to-week. They still have not ruled one way or another on him as of yet for Sunday, but I would suspect if they're calling the injury week-to-week, he's probably not going to be available to you in week two. But of course, make sure you're watching that closely. If he does not play, just means all the more work for Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen went off last week. He always goes off when Melvin Gordon does not play because he gets an extra target share. And with Mike Williams out, even though Mike Williams was actually not targeted that much in his own right before he was injured in last week's game, I do think it's even just even more for Keenan Allen. Travis Benjamin, to me, is somebody who becomes a flyer play, a home run threat in your lineups. More of a DFS play, I would say, than a redraft guy this particular week. But... You do know Darius Slay is going to be paying attention to Keenan Allen. He's not going to be paying attention to Travis Benjamin on the other side. So if you feel like you're in a pinch and you feel like you need to try to hit a home run to win this week because you don't like the upside of your team, Travis Benjamin is somebody who's available in pretty much every single league and could have that potential if Mike Williams does, in fact, miss this game. Hunter Henry is going to be out for the next four to six weeks. It's really sad to see. I am glad it's only a four to six week window, though, because when the injury first broke that it was his knee, I thought he might be done for the year. That's not going to be the case. He is going to have a chance to come back this season. So that's the good news. In the meantime, that means Virgil Green steps up. Virgil Green was nobody of note last year when Hunter Henry went down. I don't think he's going to be anybody of note this year either. So there's just more targets for the running backs, more targets for the wide receivers, just piling in for the Chargers and funneling towards those guys. So they become even more and more valuable in those formats. Phillip Rivers, I do think, is a streaming-worthy quarterback this particular week. Most leagues, I think, draft him to either be their second quarterback. He is somebody who can play. He's going to be a top-end QB2, low-end QB1 here against the Detroit Lions. On the Detroit side of the ball, Man, were they choke artists. They took a page, if it seemed like the Rolls flip-flop, they took a page out of the Chargers book, and the Chargers were actually able to close out the game last week and got the monkey off their back as far as losing a lot of close games, and the Lions just choked away against Arizona last week. And the biggest thing to take away from was my disappointment in on Johnson. on Johnson should have lit up that Arizona defense because he actually made them look like they had a run defense. And we're going to find out this week against Baltimore that they do not by any stretch of the means. So, Carrion Johnson was a huge disappointment. I expect him to bounce back. The Chargers did get lit up by Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack and Carrion Johnson are pretty similar in the type of runners that they are. More explosive guys. When they get through the line of skirmish, they can explode through. So, I do think there's a chance here that Carrion could do something similar to what Marlon Mack did. But the biggest issue to me is that the difference between the Colts and the Detroit Lions, the offensive lines. It's clear especially against Arizona, who does not have a very good defensive line right now, it's clear the Detroit Lions have something to figure out as far as their offensive line goes for run blocking because they could not get a push to save their lives, and that was a big reason why Carrion did not have as good of a game as he should have had. 
So that's something we're going to have to watch. Is that something that gets better throughout the season? Maybe. Sometimes offensive lines do improve. But as of now, I do have great concerns about the Detroit offensive line. Now, with carry on, there should be passing down work that helps establish him still have a safe floor, if nothing else, even in those situations. But the problem was that they did not utilize him that much. They only gave him a couple targets in the passing game. Now, they didn't target the running back position as a whole very much last week. And I suspect that that will change this week, or at least have more of it emphasis on that this week as Daryl Bevel will use the running backs in the passing game at some point. However, it was definitely concerning to me that they did not utilize him right away, especially a plus matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see if that gets corrected. I still believe Carrion Johnson is a solid RB2 with upside throughout the year, and this will be a key matchup because after watching Marlon Mackle for 175 yards, can Carrion Johnson have a better outing this week? Now, part of that is C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson he's not fantasy start-worthy, of course, by any stretch of the means, but C.J. Anderson taking the short yardage, taking what possible, I mean, we didn't get to see too many red zone looks, but could possibly be the red zone looks because if he's coming in on third and one, they probably have him locked in for that goal line position too. First of all, he just looks like a fat flub out there, first and foremost. His, his, like, it's just ridiculous. His ass is bigger than my entire body. It's, it's, absolutely ridiculous that C.J. Anderson is even still playing in a significant role in the NFL, in my opinion. He can't really even get past the line of scrimmage too much anymore. He's going to average two yards carry for the year. I guarantee it. But the annoying part is that he's taking away some good opportunities from Carrion Johnson. And until that changes, until the Lions realize that they just need to give Carrion more of the work. Now, Carrion's never going to be the guy who gets 20 to 25 touches. That much is true. But he should be getting more of a share than what he got last week. He's by far the most talented running back that they have. We'll have to see if that gets corrected in this week. But I do still like Carrion as a high at RB2. Hopefully, CJ Anderson goes away soon. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. Look, Kenny Galladay is going to play against Casey Hayward, but that didn't really seem to matter for T.Y. Hilton last week. Uh, he still should be pretty solid in this game. This game is in Detroit, which also helps their offense too. Marvin Jones is going to have the plus matchup on the opposite side. I do think this is going to be a game that winds up being in the high 20s as far as scoring goes, so there are going to be opportunities available. T.J. Hawkinson, I think you play him. He's going to be a top 10 tight end probably the rest of the year in my book. Even Danny Amendola in half-point and full-point PPR leagues, I think is somebody who has value. He did really well last week. We know with Amendola, it's just a matter of time until he gets injured. And that's always been his big Achilles heel, no pun intended. However, against the, against the Chargers in this matchup, where I do think there's going to be a lot of points scored, I do think he could have a low-end flex appeal to you, only in full-point PPR leagues. Half-point standard, I'm not going to play him. I know he went for 100 yards last week. I'm not going to trust that comes again. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones are going to be the guys Matthew Stafford goes to primarily in the passing game. That's not going to suddenly change. And after watching the Colts last week with Jacoby Brissett, I think Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback. So I do think you're good to go with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. Galladay being a low-end wide receiver two and Marvin Jones being a solid wide receiver three in this week's matchup and Matthew Stafford I do think does have some streamability this week being at their at home in a game that I expect will have a few amount of points our next matchup we have here is the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers so there's a lot we have a lot of fantasy questions here because we have to know what we saw out of the Green Bay offense last week against Chicago is going to get better. And I have a lot of questions to that because 
it's going to take Aaron Rodgers pretty much just going a wall and running his own offense. That's pretty much what it's going to take because we saw in the first half what happened when Matt LaFleur wanted to run what he wanted to do, and he has no clue. He clearly does not game plan for the team that he is playing against because I don't know what kind of running formations he was trying to go after against Chicago and what he thought he was going to get success off of, but this looks like the same Tennessee play calling offense in the beginning year that we saw when we were all scratching our heads as to what in the hell is Tennessee trying to do on offense. It looks exactly the same to me in that first game. Will it get better? I don't know. But what I do know is that Minnesota's defense looks like it can't bounce back from what it was two years ago. So this is going to be a tough matchup, even though it's in Green Bay. Minnesota's defense is here to play. So unless he came up with a better game plan, I don't have a lot of faith for Matt LaFour's play calling, which means Aaron Jones suffers the most. That's the problem. The thing about Aaron Rodgers is that he will go AWOL. He will, at some point, save your fantasy matchups. Now, he's still terrible against Chicago, but you saw on that drive where they did have the touchdown. Aaron Rodgers took over. I think that's going to happen more and more, especially in a game where they will probably be down. The Minnesota offense is a lot better than the Chicago offense. It's going to be more than a 10-3 to type of game. They're going to have to throw more in this game, which is why at the end of the day, I think Rodgers, being that he's Rodgers, is still going to be a low-end QB1 for you, if nothing else, this week. But Aaron Jones is the one who suffers, because if they're going to keep trying to run out those play calls and those type of runs against a fast defense in Minnesota, very similar to the speed in Chicago, I don't know what Aaron Jones is going to do for you. He's my big bust for you this week. He's been my big bust for you for the season. And I would, I wouldn't just, you know, I'm not going to dump Aaron Jones, obviously, but I would look to trade Aaron Jones because I don't know how good of a year he's really going to be able to have. Now, they're going to have matchups this season where he's going to be able to do his thing, where his talent will be able to win out at the end of the day and get you big games, but it's not going to be consistent. And when they play tough defense, because they still have to play Chicago again, they're still going to have to play Minnesota again. When they play tough defenses, I think Aaron Jones automatically will disappear this season. So I would look to see if you can trade him and still get some value from somebody who believes in the name and the talent of Aaron Jones and see what you can get. Devontae Adams, you start him. I know it's against Xavier Rhodes. I know he had a decent game against Julio Jones, but remember, Julio did still score a touchdown. Xavier Rhodes got a little banged up in that game, although he's going to play this week. Devontae Adams is a wide receiver one. You don't bench him for anything. Marquez Valdez scaling is interesting to me because they did get hurt on their corner on the backside. Scaling could have the matchup that you could take advantage of, but I would still leave him on your benches this week. I wouldn't take the flyer on him because Geronimo Allison, who was not involved at all against Chicago, I do think is going to be involved this week against Minnesota. And we're going to have to see how that shakes out when Geronimo Allison is actually is involved in the offense. How do the targets look for Scantling in those scenarios? Jimmy Graham, I think, can be a high-end tight end, too, for you this week. He is somebody that if you're stuck in a rut... Or, you know, you have a tight end that you have no faith in this week, don't love the matchup. He's somebody who I think is going to be a red zone threat. The tight end's always been an Achilles heel for the Minnesota Vikings, even when their defense was playing at the top of their game two years ago. And Jimmy Graham, outside Devontae Adams, is going to be the best red zone threat that Green Bay Packers have. I talked about how I do think he was going to be more of a touchdown monster this season. He is the one position that Matt LaFour may be able to help. And that's why I do have him as a high-end tight end, too, going into this week. On Minnesota's side of the ball, uh, I'm afraid to say it because we got burned on it so bad last week. 
But Kirk Cousins should be a higher-end QB2 against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Packers were impressive on defense. I like to see what happens when they play against a team that actually has this style of offense where they're going to be more of a zone scheme based on run, based on play action, a much better, more talented offense on top of it. Let's see how good that Green Bay defense really is. They're definitely improved from a season ago. That much was clear. But I'm not ready to say that this is suddenly going to be a top 10 defense based on the Chicago game when you're playing against Mr. Trubisky, who I think is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So I want to see that first before I believe it. So that's why I will say Kirk Cousins is a high-end QB, too. They're going to throw the ball more than 10 times. That's going to be by far the lowest amount that they've thrown all year long. Even if he throws it 25 times with this offense, with the weapons he has, he could very easily be a top-end QB, too, a possible streamer for you this week. I do have other guys in front of him, but he's going to be up there. Dalvin Cook, you got a superstar in your hands as long as he's healthy, play him. If you have Dalvin Cook, you should own Alexander Madison. Because it could just be a matter of time till Dalvin Cook gets hurt. So far, that has been the case in his young career. But you have to own Alexander Madison if you're a Dalvin Cook owner. And even if you're not, if you have an extra bench spot that you can kind of just use to stash somebody because you're good to go everywhere else, I wouldn't mind picking up Madison as a potential stash for you later on in the year either because he looked good in this offense. He looks like he fits. So if something does happen to Dalvin Cook, I think Madison's going to be a RB2 for you. In the meantime, Dalvin Cook may be an RB1 the rest of the way. Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Thielen did save your week with the touchdown last week. These guys, they know the Packers. They play well against the Packers. It's a young secondary. It's a talented secondary of Green Bay, but it's a young secondary. And Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen should be able to get theirs and have a much better performance this week, especially, like I said, with the Vikings throwing the ball more than 10 times. That will be, of course, crucial, and I'm pretty confident that will happen. The tight end position, though, I'm staying away from. Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith Jr. In fact, actually, for Kyle Rudolph, I will do this for you. Prepare to be flushed. Ha! I knew I would find someone to put that drop in today's segment. So that is my new, I'm telling you to dump the player drop that you will be hearing throughout the year. And Kyle Rudolph fits that description to a T. Until I see the Vikings utilize the tight end position more so in the passing game, I don't know what value they have. And I am not going to be depending on them in my starting lineups at all. And do believe that you don't need Kyle Rudolph even on your roster after last week. So yes, Kyle Rudolph is a flushable player to me off of your rosters. We're going to take a quick break right here. Come back on the other side. We got more games to preview, of course, starting off with the Colts and the Titans. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. So let's start this game off with the Colts and the Tennessee Titans, starting on the Titans side of the ball, who were the surprise of week, well, not the surprise, but one of the surprises of week one, as they were able to pretty much dominate and annihilate the Cleveland Browns. 
Derrick Henry was great in that game. Derrick Henry should be good against the Colts in this game. I think because this is in Tennessee, this will be a very competitive in-division game where the game script will not get away from Derrick Henry, who looked, frankly, looked great. Yes, he was one of my bus guys. He was one of the guys that I had as a bus that proved me wrong, of course, in week one. Now, I think everyone knows that you can't expect him to get a 75-yard touchdown reception or even be involved in the receiving game almost at all in any given week. But even if not, he was still very good on the ground against the Browns. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. I do think he's going to be good against the Colts on the ground too. Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson looked very good whenever they got to run the football. There's going to be emphasis here. This game script shouldn't get away from him. Derrick Henry is going to be a solid RB2 for you this week. Deion Lewis, I'm... You know what? For Deion Lewis, we have another flushable player. Prepare to be flushed. Now, not that you were depending on Deion Lewis a lot, but he was somebody who I had as a deep flyer sleeper in PPR leagues that I thought would wind up being more involved that went hand-in-hand with me having Derrick Henry as one of my bus candidates so far this season. Now, it was only week one, so we'll still see what happens. I still think there's a chance Deion Lewis gets back on track and becomes what I expected him to be as the season goes on. And the Titans are going to be in situations where they're going to have to throw the ball, and that's where Deion Lewis is going to get involved. And that was proven. When they had to actually pass the ball, Deion Lewis was targeted four times. He was out there in those situations, even though he didn't have anywhere near the production of Derrick Henry. But... Having said all of that, it's definitely going to be game script dependent, and they're not they're they're not going to want to be in a situation where they have to use Deion Lewis a ton because that will mean they're off their game plan for the week. So it's something we're going to have to see be more consistent of, and we also have to see how the pass catchers shake out for the Tennessee Titans because that's the other reason why I have him as a dump. AJ Brown, I think, is going to be the number one wide receiver this year. It's not going to be Corey Davis. Corey Davis put up a goose egg on top of it, but AJ Brown's better. Period. Already, even as a rookie. Delaney Walker, shown he's back. Even though he's old, he's still good, and he's still a favorite target of Marcus Mariota. He's not going anywhere either. Adam Humphreys will probably get more involved as the season wears on, which also hurts Deion Lewis because they run similar type of short pattern routes. So with all those factors still up in the air, that is why Deion Lewis is a dump guy to me. I'm not tr- Outside of Delaney Walker, I don't know how much I can trust any pass catcher of the Tennessee Titans. I am holding on to A.J. Brown on my bench, though, because like I said, I do think he's taking over as the number one wide receiver. I do think he has a lot of talent, and he's somebody who very well, given certain matchups, could be going on a tear soon. But as far as this week goes, outside of Delaney Walker and Derrick Henry, I don't know who else from the Tennessee Titans I'm going to play this week. On the Colts' side of the football, 
First of all, Marlon Mack's going to have a tougher road ahead of him than he did a week ago. He's not going to go for 175 yards. They are still going to lean a little bit more on the run. He should still have a decent game. Nick Chubb was efficient with the touches that he had, but because that because that offense had to go to fast uh, pass first pretty much the whole way through because they were getting blown out, especially in the second half, they kind of had to get away from Nick Chubb a little bit. Marlon Mack, this game should be more competitive. I think I'll have a better game than Nick Chubb did last week. But the Tennessee Titans are not a bad defense, especially in the front seven. They are going to be able to contain him from busting bigger runs this week. So I do think it's going to be more of a, hopefully he gets 20 carries, he gets you the volume, maybe he gets you 80 yards, maybe he finds a way to get you in the touchdown and get you a red zone. He's still going to be a RB2 with upside in almost any given matchup. But against the Tennessee Titans, just lower your expectations based off of your high of what you're coming from against the Chargers last week. Naeem Hines wasn't that involved, but they also didn't throw the ball to the running backs that much either. I think in this game, you're going to see a little bit more of that. But until he gets more utilized, until you see them be more aggressive in the passing game and pass it more, because I, like I said, without Andrew Luck, I kind of called this, I thought they would lean on the run more, which is why I thought Marlon Mack's volume and his overall performance got boosted as to what you could expect for this season. We're going to have to see Naeem Hines actually have the role. He's still going to be the pass-catching down guy when they get in those situations, but I don't think this is a game where the game script's going to get away from them either, where they have to go to Naeem Hines. Jacoby Brissett, not quite a streamer for me yet. I want to wait for a better matchup to be able to put in Jacoby Brissett as a high-end QB2 for me. This wouldn't be it against Tennessee in Tennessee. T.Y. Hilton, of course, you're starting him. To me, he's still a low-end wide receiver too, though. I think he might have had his best game of the year last week with the two touchdowns and 87 yards. Yes, it looked like him and Brissett have more rapport than they did two years ago when they were both on the field. However, he still didn't catch a he still didn't catch a bomb. One of his touchdowns was a fluke. I still have questions about how consistent T.Y. Hilton's really going to be throughout this season. And I do think that he may have a dud of a game this week, but he still has to be considered a low-end wide receiver too. Devin Funches got sent to the IR earlier on in the week, so Deion Kane may wind up getting his opportunity to start on the other side. Not somebody who I'm, I'm playing in fantasy, not even somebody who I'm picking up just yet, but is somebody who I think you should have your eye on because he could be a favorite target of Jacoby Brissett before long. Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, look, it was a very disappointing game. Percet typically will go to his tight ends when given the opportunity. I wouldn't write them off as of yet. I know a lot of people were talking about drop Eric Ebron. Don't drop Eric Ebron. He was still on the field when they were in the red zone when it mattered. So don't go ahead and drop him. If you want to find other options, I could see that. Jack Doyle, if you want to drop him, I could see that. But he's not a must drop in my book either. But as far as starting goes, you're starting T.Y., you're starting Marlon Mack. Everything else is kind of a wait and see if you can help it on the cold side of the ball. Our next matchup, we have the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. Nelly. So if we thought the game against Pittsburgh was one-sided, what do we think the game against Miami is going to wind up being? Because it it might not be appropriate for television what might up happening to the Dolphins upcoming against the Patriots this week. Now, maybe because Brian Flores going up against the first time against the Patriots, against Bel- Bel- Belichick, maybe because it's a division matchup, Dolphins will play harder. But I don't know if playing harder matters for them. Kenyon Drake, can this guy catch a break? I mean, seriously, how many coaching staffs does he have to go through to get playing time? You were getting mollywopped in that game, and yet Kenyon Drake was barely utilized. Talking up all week how Kenyon Drake's going to see all these touches and get all this work, and then five minutes before the game, we get an official listing of Kalen Balazs as a starting running back. 
That, to me, indicated that Miami truly is looking to tank. I think Kenyon Drake is going to get traded from the Dolphins at some point this season because he's one of the few guys that is going to be a free agent next year. It's clear they don't plan on bringing him back. They're probably just going to try to get value for him. I do think he's going to get traded midway through the season and therefore wind up having some value at some point, which is why I am not dropping Kenyon Drake. I'm not moving on. Same thing for Devontae Parker. I'm not moving on for Devontae Parker either. Yes, he only had three catches for 75 yards last week, but I think that's kind of the point. He was the one bright spot in a a, biz, a, a dark hole, a black hole, a, a crappy, a, any adjective you want to use that is more than PG-13 is fine with me, what the Dolphins looked like last week. But Devontae Parker looked like he was ready to ball. Went up, got a big pass between those two guys, 75 yards, was the one bright spot. Albert Wilson is hurt, is probably not going to play this week. The targets have to go somewhere. The Dolphins are going to throw the football. Ryan Fitzpatrick is still going to be the starter, so you know he's just going to throw it up for grabs sometimes. Parker is somebody who I'm not starting this week, but I'm also keeping on my benches because he did show me enough against the Baltimore Ravens that I do think there are going to be matchups that are going to be easier in the Dolphins' future that Parker is going to be a good starting flex play. But I'm not going to play him this week. I'm not playing anybody from the Dolphins this week. And there's nobody else to even talk about. Kalen Balazs was awful. He's going to continue to be awful because he's not a good player. He's not a good NFL player. He's a good athlete, not a good NFL player. On the Patriots side of the ball, I mean, take your pick. Antonio Brown, play him. Edelman, play him. Josh Gordon, I would even play him as a flex wide receiver three this week. I wouldn't back off from him at all. All it takes for him is one play. Did you watch Marquise Brown? There'll definitely be big plays there for Josh Gordon. Tom Brady, play him. Michelle, play him. If you were worried about Michelle after last week, he still had 15 carries. He still got the majority of the carries. What do you think they're going to do against the Dolphins this week? Who do you think is going to carry the way in the second half? All of your worries about Sony Michelle after last week are going to be squashed in this matchup this week. I even, I'm playing James White in PPR leagues as a flex play. I don't think he's going to have to have a ton of volume, which is why I don't think he has a a high ceiling this particular week, but I'm going to play him as a flex play. The only person I'm not going to play is Rex Burkhead, even though he probably will get an annoying amount of touches to take away from those other two. And I wouldn't be surprised against the Dolphins if we didn't see Damian Harris sprinkled in, or maybe if they're just putting in backups, maybe even winds up playing the whole fourth quarter. Not going to start him, obviously, but it is going to be annoying that a lot of guys are going to get touches, but you're still playing Michelle. Definitely. James White in a PPR if you need a flex play. That's pretty much it. We don't really need to analyze that. We all know they're going to go off. (laughs) Next up, we got the Bills and the Giants. So first off, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills because Josh Allen is a lot of people's top-end streaming quarterback for good reason. It's not for no reason. You know, you watch Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's a hell of a lot better than Josh Allen throwing the football. Just want to make sure that's still clear. Uh, Josh Allen looked absolutely awful until the Jets choked away and played prevent defense in the second half, which made it a lot easier for Josh Allen to make throws. Remember in the first half, he wasn't making any throws. When the Jets were actually playing tight, aggressive defense, he wasn't hitting the broadside of a barn, which is normal Josh Allen. Now, when they backed off, played prevent defense, played not to lose, then all of a sudden... Things became wide open. He could just throw it to his spot. John Brown on that play, I'm sorry, Josh Allen for some reason got credit for underthrowing the football that will allow wide receiver John Brown to make a play. No, he underthrew the damn football. It wasn't a good pass. John Brown's a really good wide receiver and made a play on the ball. And I saw that John Brown was a popular pickup this week. He was not on my waiver wire segment for a reason. He 
That probably was his best game of the year. Even going up against the New York Giants, who just got torched by the Dallas Cowboys, where all of their pass catchers went off, John Brown will still not have as good of a game this week as he did last week. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. In fact, I think the Giants might wind up winning this game. I think they're going to surprise people. Bills aren't that good. They're on the road again. I don't see them winning two road games in New York. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. This is going to be a bad game. This is going to be another 17-14 tops type of game. So that's why Josh Allen, while he has to be at least on the topper end of QB2s, he will be a guy that I will put in that streaming category because he is somebody who can run and we can't account for how much he's going to run, how many stats he's going to be able to put up in that sense. He did have a rushing touchdown last week. I wouldn't be surprised if he got another rushing touchdown this week. So he's going to have a floor for sure. But this expectation that he could go off, I think is absolutely ridiculous. The other thing with the running backs, Frank Gore is still the starter. Frank Gore could look decent against the Giants enough where Devin Singletary may have to wait yet another week to be the starter. I don't I don't know why he's not the starter already. I don't I don't know what the holdup is. I don't know what the infatuation with Frank Gore is with all of these coaches. It, it drives me absolutely bananas. He can only go for two yards. That's all he's got. It's all he has left in the tank. He can barrel through the line of scrimmage for a whopping two yards. He's worse than Peyton Barber out there. And Devin Singletary, who got less than double-digit touches last week, was by far the best player that you had in your backfield. It wasn't even close. Head and shoulders, the best guy. He's still going to be the backup? Really? Come on. Maybe for another week or two, Devin Singletary is going to take over at that point. But until he gets named a starter, I don't know how you can start Devin Singletary with any confidence in your leagues. But you definitely have to make sure you hold on to him because he will start at some point. John Brown, I talked about him. He's nothing more than a deep flyer flex play for me this week. I don't think you can trust him on a week-to-week basis. Yes, he always has that potential to just get that one play to win your fantasy weeks. You could play him in DFS. I don't disagree with that part there. But he's not somebody who I'm rushing to waiver wire to pick up or to try to play in any given week. Uh, just, just based on the consistency factor. Just based on I don't think you can trust it. You should have better options than John Brown this week. On the Giants side of the ball, it's not much to talk about. Saquon Barkley, yeah, RB1, cool. You start him. <laughs> doesn't matter. I, I was impressed with how good of a game he had against the Dallas Cowboys, given the Giants offense, given the offensive line, given the pathetic amount of weapons that they have in the passing game. He showed you, he's Saquon Barkley, he showed you why he's special even against good defenses on a bad offense. He can still come out to play. And I would almost guarantee he scores you a touchdown in this game. Sterling Shepard is in the concussion protocol. They are optimistic about his chances to play this week, which is really going to be crucial because I can't see how how the Giants are going to look in the passing game if uh, Cody Latimer is their number one wide receiver, which is what would happen if, if Shepard can't play. Evan Ingram looked great against the Cowboys. He's probably going to be that one guy outside of the top three who's going to be the highest end tight end for you on a week-to-week basis. Uh Tight end four, you know, outside of Kelsey and Kittle and Ertz, of course. He, he's going to be the number one pass catcher on the Giants team. He just he just is. He looked that way against Dallas. He looked like he'd taken a step up since last season. They definitely have a focus to use him in the pass game, to use him in the red zone more so than they did a year ago. And just like last year when Odo Beckham didn't play and Evan Ingram was heavily used, it's going to be all season long. I think he's going to be the number one pass catcher for the Giants this year. So you start Evan Ingram. Eli Manning is not a flex start here, or is not, I should say, he's not a streaming start, even though he threw for 300 yards last week. Calm it down, you giant lovers. I, I, can't, I can't believe how many people I got. Eli Manning can still be fantasy relevant. No, he can't. 
No, you can't. And if you want to go ahead and play Eli Manning in your lineups, go ahead and do so. But know that you didn't get the advice from me, and you're probably going to lose more than you're going to win. Next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks, and we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Seattle on the road going to Pittsburgh. Let's start off with Pittsburgh, because look, it couldn't get much worse than against New England. And they are a better team than what we saw against New England last week. So that's, that's first and foremost that we have to establish. Ben Roethlisberger is so much better at home than he is on the road. I know a lot of people thought maybe he had gotten over that after last year, but last year he had Antonio Brown. Last year they threw the ball for 700 times. Now, if last week was any indication, they might not be as balanced of attack as I thought they would be. I thought they would be more balanced heading into this season. Looking at the play calling, even though that game was out of hand, even though they were down and you know they would have to throw, earlier on that game, they're only down by a score or two, they were still going five wide in short yard situations, in red zone situations. If they're going to continue to do that, James Conner's ceiling A gets cut down a little bit, and it's going to be frustrating in some games, like it was last week. He's still going to be an R- he's still going to be a lower end RB one for you at the end of the year. I'm not I'm not questioning that, but his ability to maybe show you to be a superstar, I think, goes out the window. That's going to continue to be the play calling. It does mean that Rosberger at home is probably going to have a safe floor for you just based on volume. So I think you're still, a lot of people are like, move on from Ben Roethlisberger, drop Ben Roethlisberger. No, I'm not telling you to do that. You keep Ben Roethlisberger on your team. You play him when he's at home. Maybe you don't play him on the road anymore, but you play him when he's at home. Because I'm telling you right now, he's going to go off in those games, or he's at least going to be very good for you. You play him there. So you play him this week against Seattle. Look what Andy Dalton did against Seattle last week. You don't think Ben Roethlisberger do something similar in Pittsburgh? Maybe not 400 yards, but... 300 plus yards, couple touchdowns. Yeah, I definitely think Ben Roethlisberger is going to do that for you this week. He's actually probably going to be in my top 10 of quarterbacks when I get the projections out later this afternoon. So just keep that in mind. Juju Smith-Schuster got a little banged up in that game. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. He's going to have a better game against Seattle this week, especially since they don't really have a slot corner. And they did play Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot a lot. That was very much clear. Dante Moncrief has better days ahead. I've been beating the drum all summer long that Moncrief is going to be the number two wide receiver. And I've been hearing a lot of people say like, oh, well, I think James Washington's going to take the next step up because he was the only guy who wasn't terrible. Yeah, Moncrief wasn't good. Moncrief was still the number one targeted wide receiver on the Steelers last week. So as far as a volume perspective, he out he out targeted James Washington by 10 targets. So as far as a volume perspective goes, it's clear Dante Moncrief is still the number two wide receiver. And better days are ahead. Like I said, this team will play better at home in general. And Dante Mockery is still a good red zone target. Patriots defense is really good. That's what I took out from that game. Patriots defense is really good. And I'm not worried about it. James Washington, I keep it on the bench, keep it on the waiver wire, don't care. Until he gets a bigger share of the volume, I don't see when you would ever have the confidence to play James Washington. Vance McDonald has better get days ahead. He's always been a guy who's been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, even when he's not banged up. They're going to have to get back to using him. They, Steelers are going to have to get back to the chalkboard on a lot of things here. So I think James Conner is going to get utilized more. Vance McDonald is going to be one of those guys who gets utilized more in this game too. So you can you can keep playing Vance McDonald as your starting tight end. You don't have to move on from him. Seattle Seahawks, you play your guys. Russell Wilson starting quarterback. You have to continue to play him, even though I keep trying to tell you guys he doesn't put up numbers in September because he doesn't look to. Chris Carson, you play him. I do think it's going to be a little bit of a tougher matchup. Pittsburgh has all their front seven healthy. They are pretty good against pounding-type running backs in those situations. Look what they did against Sony Michelle a week ago. So I do think Carson, you're going to have to limit what you expect out of his ceiling this particular week. But it was also clear that at least earlier on in the season, they do plan on using Chris Carson as a workhorse back. 
Now, we'll see if they change some things because he wasn't very efficient in the passing game, but he did get a lot of work. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do it at least one more time before Rashad Penny started taking more into that role, which I do think was is going to come. But for now, I think Chris Carson is the guy you play. Rashad Penny does not have any flex appeal. He's nothing more than a handcuff as of now, but I can see that changing in the future. Tyler Lockett is going to have more volume in this game. You're going to be able to tack Pittsburgh in the slot receiver position. I mean, Julian Edelman went crazy. They keep playing linebackers on their slot receivers because Pittsburgh is still in the 90s, apparently, when it comes to defensive schematic play calling and personnel. TJ Watts hurt. Uh, So Tyler Lockett is going to get more targeted in this game than he did against Cincinnati a week ago. And even last week, he still had that big 40-yard touchdown for you. That's, that's That's what Tyler Lockett brings to the table. That's why I like him so much. His volume is going to go up. He is going to be the number one wide receiver of this team. But even in weeks where he doesn't, he still just needs one play. And that's why I think he does have one of the safer floors. You're playing him. DK Metcalf, I don't think I'm starting him in redraft leagues. But if you want to take a shot on him in DFS, I'm for it. I think you can beat Pittsburgh deep. I think DK Metcalf showed you he is NFL ready. And he showed and he showed you that Russell Wilson does already trust him. And that's the big key right there, especially when it comes to throws down the field. So if you want to play DFS for DK Metcalf, I'm all about it. The only injury of note here, Will Disley, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future, but I don't believe the tight end of the Seattle Seahawks is fantasy relevant anyway. We're going to take another quick break right here. Come back on the other side. We got more games to preview for you, and then we'll get to the start-sit segment. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. All right, coming out of the break, we got the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. The Dallas Cowboys' new-look offense with Kellen Moore calling the plays. I can't be more excited. Now, look, on one hand, it was the New York Giants. The New York Giants do not have a good defense. That much is, is, is clear. On the other hand... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It looks like the Cowboys have two legitimate wide receivers with Michael Gallup clearly taking a step up in his development over the offseason. And for the first time since Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator for this team, they look like they actually have a good play caller on their hands in Kellen Moore. And if Kellen Moore keeps doing what he's doing, he might be a one-and-done offensive coordinator and get a head coaching job. It wouldn't surprise me. If he can keep doing what he did last week, 
Kellen Moore might be head coaching somewhere next year. It was that impressive. It wasn't just the production that they got. It was the play calling. It was how he got everyone involved. It was putting themselves in the best position to succeed. And that's not something that just happened against a bad defense in the Giants. That's something that I think will continue to happen. Dak Prescott immediately becomes somebody who's going to be definitely a top 10 quarterback for me and possibly, possibly even higher because we haven't even seen him run yet. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, he was coming back. They want to limit some of his touches. He's still getting his legs under him. He's still like Ezekiel Elliott when he ran the football, though. This isn't going to be committee. I know the, the carries were split. This is a game where the Cowboys at the end didn't have to do too much to just close it out. And like I said, they're trying to get Elliott's legs back under him. I suspect starting this week, Elliott will be back to his 20 carries plus ways on a per week basis. Plus with a few catches. Mari Cooper, even Michael Gallup. It'd be, it would be hard for me to keep Michael Gallup out of my lineups. You probably drafted him late. You probably didn't draft him with the idea that he'd be one of your core pieces, that one of your flex guys, one of your wide receiver threes. It would be really hard for me to keep him out of my lineup this particular week. And because there were a flux of injuries, I do see a lot of lineups and scenarios in which he very well could be played. And I'm good with playing Michael Gallup in the flex this week against the Washington Redskins. Josh Norman's probably going to see Amari Cooper more so than not. I don't know if he's going to shadow because he shadowed also on Jeffrey and that didn't really work out too well. And Josh Norman's not the corner he used to be either. So even if he does just stick to one side of the field, I don't think that really matters for Gallup or Amari Cooper. The secondary of Washington is vulnerable. I've said that all offseason long. I like their front seven, though. But against the Cowboys, it doesn't matter because their offensive line is healthy and good to go. So Ezekiel Elliott has no worries there as far as his ceiling. I'm playing I'm playing everybody. I'm going to play Michael Gallup in my flex if I have the ability to do so. I'm, you know, you Obviously, you start Amari Cooper, you start Dak Prescott, you start Ezekiel Elliott with confidence. On the Redskins side of the ball, well, so we have Darius Geis who's going to be out somewhere between four and eight weeks. We keep hearing reports of four to six, some six to eight. So for this show, we're just going to say four to eight weeks, Darius Geis is going to be out. It's going to be Adrian Peterson. It's going to be Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson and, well, both Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson were all my waiver wire segment, but Chris Thompson was the guy I wanted you to pick up most of all because he's going to be the guy who has a clear-cut role throughout the season, even when Darius Geis comes back. A lot of people thought he was going to have a three-down work. Now, yes, he got banged up in this game, and we're not exactly sure when that happened. But I'm telling you right now, the Redskins are going to have to throw in most games like they did with the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris Thompson is going to continue to be the pass catcher because Gruden truly trusts him in that role and trusts him to utilize him. And they need him because they don't have many playmakers as far as receiving the football goes. He is one of those guys. He's one of the best safety blankets they have. He's one of the best playmakers that they have. So he's not going to lose that third down roll even when Darius Geis comes back. And keep in mind, in this game, when they were up 20-7, to they were still throwing the ball to Chris Thompson. That was partly the reason why Case Keenum went off the way he did. Now, Case Keenum, that was his best game of the year. Good job. He's not coming close to 300 yards again this season. So everyone just relax there. Terry McLaurin, he is the number one wide receiver of the Washington Redskins already. I thought it would take a couple of weeks. It didn't at all. Yes, he had a big game. I don't think he's going to have a great game against Dallas. He's not somebody I'm starting. He's not even somebody who I'm looking at in DFS leagues, but he is somebody who I want on my bench if I have the possibility to do so because there are going to be matchups in which I'm going to feel confident about trying to take a home run swing with Terry McLaurin in my lineup. He is the number one receiver. He played the most snaps out of anybody as far as pass catchers go. And when Jordan Reed comes back, that should actually help Terry McLaurin because Jordan Reed will demand attention in the middle, demand attention from the safeties. Terry McLaurin might be put in a position where he gets a little bit more one-on-ones where he's going to be able to use his big electrifying speed. But 
Terry McLaurin is somebody who should be owned. He should be on your bench. I'm not playing him this week, but he should be owned. Trey Quinn, I know he scored the touchdown. He just didn't look that involved to me, and he looked like Trey Quinn. Like you're just you're not that good at the end of the day. So Trey Quinn's not somebody who I have high on my list, even in PPR leagues. Like a lot of others had him. I, it's just it, there's nothing special about the guy. Nothing at all. Terry McLaurin is the only wide receiver I would want to own. As far as Jordan Reed and the concussion protocol goes, it does seem like he should be cleared to play for week two. Of course, with that, you know, we never know. Things could go, he could have a setback. But as of now, the expectation is he's going to clear it and be available for week two. Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals and the Baltimore Ravens. Let's start with the Baltimore side of the ball. So with the injury stuff, Ingram, Marquise Brown, they were limited in practice on Wednesday. I'm not worried about it. It was a Wednesday practice, and they actually practiced with quote-unquote injuries. That means they're going to be good to go. So I'm not worried about that at all. While they should not beat the Cardinals 59-10 to like they did to the Dolphins last week, I would not be surprised that they dominate the Cardinals this week again. It's going to be in Baltimore, so it's going to be their first home game of the year. The Cardinals' defense is not good. And this Ravens' offense, not only do they already have their identity, but all of their players look good. Every And everyone looked good against Miami, but everyone looks like they're in shape, they're sharp. Everyone looks like developed. Lamar Jackson looks like he developed. Marquise Brown is, I'm going to say it here, Marquise Brown is Tyree Kill Part 2. He is. I went back, I watched the tape. You know what impressed me most about Marquise Brown? It wasn't the bombs. We know he's fast. We know he's going to run away from people. We know that's going to happen. It was the three other catches that he had to add to his total that outside of the two touchdown bombs. He gets separation like no other. He is a cheat code. He is a video game. He is so much faster in and out of his breaks than everyone else around him. He only played 12 snaps in this game. Maybe partially that is because of his injury, partially because he didn't get to practice a lot. He's going to be playing a lot more. I mean, he's going to be playing close to 100% of snaps pretty soon, sooner rather than later at the very least. And when that happens, with Lamar Jackson, the way this offense is built off of play action, the open lanes that he should be able to get with this team, yeah, Marquis, he's Tyreek Hill part two, which is why he was big on my waiver wire segment. He was one of the top guys that I told you guys to go out and get. With the schedule the Ravens have, there aren't going to be too many games coming up where I'm not going to feel good about playing Marquise Brown. I feel good about playing him again. I'm not saying he's going to go for 150 yards and two touchdowns again, but against the Arizona Cardinals, there's no reason to think he couldn't get another big play in this matchup. There's no reason to think that he won't play a little bit more and be effective. He's going to be the number one receiver for the Ravens. He is. He's Tyreek Hill. I'm telling you right now, he's Tyreek Hill part two. You can play him this week as your wide receiver three with upside until he gets more snaps, and then he might be becoming a wide receiver two sooner rather than later. Mark Andrews, love him. Look great. Definitely number one pass catcher. Played the least amount. I don't know what it was with the Ravens. They're all their top pass catchers played less than everybody else on the field. Played the least amount of the three tight ends, Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. They were just in when it was time to run the football. Mark Andrews is by far their favorite guy to go to when they're going to look to throw as a pass catcher. And he looks good. He looks fast. He looks like a mismatch. He looks a lot like George Kittle. I don't think he's quite, I don't think he quite has the gear of a George Kittle. But he's not far off, and they're going to use him pretty similarly. 
I like Mark Andrews a lot. I, he was one of my top. He was obviously my top tight end as a sleeper goes. Had a great game last week. Arizona Cardinals just gave up a ton of points to TJ Hawkinson. They're gonna they're gonna continue to be weak against the tight end. Mark Andrews is going to continue to be one of the top pass catchers of the Ravens on a week to week basis. I love Mark Andrews this week, and Lamar Jackson is going to be a solidified top ten QB one play for me this week and a lot of weeks to come because he showed us all something. He didn't run last week and he still put up a thirty point game. Like I said, everyone's going to keep saying it was against the Dolphins. I don't care what you say. He looked good throwing the football. His arm was back. The biggest thing for me for him last year, and I'm just going to wrap this up real quick and then I'll get to the Cardinals. The biggest thing for me for him last year was that he has a better arm than he showed. The problem was his footwork was all off. Maybe it's because he was so used to just being a runner last year. I don't know what the case was, but his footwork was way off from what it was in college. His footwork in that game looked like what I had saw out of college in Louisville from him. And it showed because when he has the proper base underneath of him, all he has to do is flick the ball. He has a cannon. He absolutely has a cannon. And he hit Marquise Brown and others in stride down the field on a consistent basis. So love Lamar Jackson moving forward. And of course, running backs, Mark Ingram, love him. Everyone's talking about like, oh, but Gus Edwards got 17 carries and this is going to be a three-headed monster and Greg Rowan talking about the hot hand. No, it's not. Gus Edwards didn't start getting his carries until that game was well in hand. Mark Ingram came in. They didn't even need to bring him in for the second touchdown. He got that. He only needed 14 carries to go for 100 yards and two touchdowns. He fits the system well. He looks really good to me. He looks explosive. He looked like he's definitely excited to be the starting running back. Justice Hill is the only one who might steal touches from him in the passing game here and there, sprinkling him in. Gus Edwards will give him a breather every so often. Mark Ingram's the guy, and he's going to continue to be effective. And against the Arizona Cardinals, he's about to show you why I was so disappointed in on Johnson because he's going to have a big game for sure. On the Cardinals side of the ball, I'm not playing anyone outside of David Johnson. That includes Larry Fitzgerald. I'm not playing Larry Fitzgerald this week either. The Ravens are going to dominate them on the line of scrimmage in the way that Detroit did not. And Detroit dominated them for three quarters. Keep that in mind. Ravens are are a way better defensive team, way more physical. I think what the Cardinals showed you is that their air raid system, because they keep trying to go four wide receivers because they're not giving any help to that porous offensive line, they're going to be beaten at the line of scrimmage more times than not. And when they play against a team like the Ravens, it's going to be a buzzsaw. That's why I say it might not be 59-10, to 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was something close. I don't think the Cardinals score very much. You have to play David Johnson because you drafted him in the first round to be your RB1. He does have a safer floor when it comes to PPR leagues because he's going to have to get utilized in both passing and the rushing game every single week. So he's the, he's the only one who I'm starting, but I'm not starting Larry Fitzgerald this week. I don't think he has a good game. I'm not starting Kyler Murray. I'm not playing anybody in the Arizona Cardinals not named David Johnson. Our last game preview for this show, our last 1 o'clock game that we're going to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Jaguars, of course, foals on the IR. Gardner Minshew looked decent. We'll see if that continues. But if nothing else, I think he looks competent enough to keep the offense rolling and to do what they want to do and to keep the chains moving. He's mobile enough that I do think it helps Leonard Fournette with RPOs. I think D.D. Westbrook is still a PPR play. If you have him, I'm still not touching anyone else. I know Chris Conley had a big week. I know D.J. Shark had a big week. Those were anomalies. I think those were both the best games of their season. It was against Kansas City, who has a really bad defense. Houston's defense, I don't think, is, is, is very good. I think it is better than what Kansas City showed you last week, though. Because while they, yeah, they they got lit up by 
New Orleans. It was also in New Orleans, and it's New Orleans. I think they'll be okay this week. Houston, I don't know how you don't play anybody. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is better than what they showed last week, but after watching Kansas City, how do you have any fear in playing Carlos Hyde and playing uh, and playing Don J. Hopkins, obviously, no matter what the matchup is, play him. But I have no fear in playing Will Fuller. Saw what Sammy Watkins, he torched him. I don't see that happening again, but, man, that didn't look good. It looked a lot like last year rather than two years ago. We'll see if they get back on track. This game is going to be in Houston, but I'm starting my guys. Hopkins, Watson, obviously. Will Fuller. Key Kute is supposed to be back and playing. He's probably the one guy I'm still keeping on the bench, though. As far as the running back situation goes, uh, that's tough. Carlos Hyde looked pretty good. And because of that, he really took away a lot of touches that I thought Duke Johnson was going to be able to get. Duke Johnson is still the guy to have in PPR leagues. He's still going to be the guy who gets the passing down work. But eh, I think he's a guy you're going to wind up keeping on your bench. I think Carlos Hyde could be a guy you wind up keeping on your bench. I think you just... This is a situation where I feel like you'd be better off waiting and seeing if you can afford to do so. Now, I know with Duke Johnson, you probably took him in the sixth round, especially if you're in your PPR leagues. So you probably need him as your RB2. But I, I don't really love him against Jacksonville. I don't love speed running backs against Jacksonville because they have the speed to neutralize those type of guys. I think if there's going to be one running back on this team that does have a decent game, I think that's going to be Carlos Hyde. The more physical runners usually do better against Jacksonville. So I don't really love Duke Johnson. I would be looking for other options if you can. But if you can't, I do think he has a good enough floor where he'll be serviceable enough for you in PPR leagues. In standard leagues, I probably would definitely try to find a way to put him on the bench. But that wraps up the 1 o'clock and the Thursday night preview. We're going to do a quick break right here. We're going to come back on the other side. I have a few questions from the fans that we're going to get to, and then we'll close out the podcast. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. Breaking news. All right, coming right out of the segment, before we have to get into the rest of our games, we have breaking news. Darius Geis has just been named out indefinitely after having surgery on his torn meniscus in his knee. He may miss another season, folks. Adrian Peterson may be the starter all year once again. The 2,000-yard season is back on the table. Well, not really, but... Adrian Peterson will have value throughout the entire season. So if he's still available in your waiver wire, which he should not be at this point, but if he is, make sure you go grab him because he's going to be a starting running back for the rest of the season. And Chris Thompson's value just got boosted a little bit more too. Not that he was going to lose his role, but it just gets more solidified for the rest of the year as well because Darius guys may be missing the rest of the season. All right, so let's get to the few questions that I picked out for today's mailbag segment. Remember, if you want to have 
your name shouted out and your question answered on the show. All you have to do is contact me through social media at MDSFFshow on Twitter, at MDFFshow on Facebook, or through the website. You can email me directly on the contact form, www.mdffshow.com. Even if I don't select your question to be on the show, I promise you I will answer each and every one of your questions through social media to make sure you are getting the best information possible to help you win your leagues. And we had a lot of questions this week, a lot of great ones that I got to choose from. So starting off, let's go with Corey Easley from Twitter. He asked, what do we do with Dante Pettis? Well, I did talk about that a little bit in the preview of the game this week. I'm keeping him for one more week because at the end of the day, He's definitely the best wide receiver. They had a terrible showing from the receiving core as a whole last week. If he cannot get on the field as the starter in this week's matchup after practicing all week long, and that's something to keep an eye on too, but he has been so far. After practicing all week long, then you can go ahead and drop Dante Pettis because I don't know what Kyle Shanahan is doing at the end of the day. But I want to hold on to him for at least one more week because he should still be the XY receiver in the Shanahan system. He should be getting peppered with targets. He should be good. I just think we might be fighting Kyle Shanahan more than anything at this point. Shelby from Facebook asked, half-point PPR league, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, or Jarvis Landry? First of all, good options to choose from across the board in a half-point PPR league. I'm going with Tyler Lockett, though. I talked about that in the Seattle preview here. He's going to be a guy who's going to have the biggest mismatch when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers at at in Pittsburgh. And on top of it, he's a guy who just needs one play to make your fantasy relevant week like he did last week. But I expect him to get much more volume in this week's matchup, closer to being reflective of a number one wide receiver on a team. That way, I would go with Tyler Lockett. I think he has more upside and a safer floor than a Jarvis Landry does, who could get passed over for Odell Beckham in the game, than a Calvin Ridley does going up against Philadelphia Eagles when you have Julio Jones, who should have a great matchup in his own right. So I would go with Tyler Lockett there. Finish line pod, who's one of my peers over at Unwrap Sports, uh, great podcast, by the way. You all should really go check them out. They do a fantastic job covering di- a variety of sports. But they wanted to ask me a question, and I wanted to give them a shout-out. So from Twitter, they asked me, long-term, what is your stance on Lamar Jackson's value? Long-term, I think he's a QB 10. Could be a QB 8. This week, he could be a QB 5 for the for this week's matchup. But long-term-wise, looking out for the rest of the season, I think there's a very real possibility that we have to consider Lamar Jackson is going to be a top-10 quarterback the rest of the way, especially given the Baltimore Ravens' schedule. But yeah, that that's how I feel. That's how strongly I feel about Lamar Jackson. That's going to close down the show today. I know we went a little bit long in today's show, but we also had a lot of games we had to get to. We're not going to have as many to do tomorrow, which will be the week preview, 4 o'clock Sunday night and Monday night football preview games. Of course, we'll have the injury report update. Remember, later on today, I'm going to have the rankings and projections available for you guys heading into week two. And I'm also going to be coming out with a rankings week two video on sportscaster.com. Make sure you check that out later on today too. So we're very, very busy of course it's the time of the year my favorite time of the year so i'm constantly doing fancy football things for you guys so make sure you follow me everywhere on twitter at mdsff show on facebook at mdff show and follow along on the website to check out those rankings and everything else and episodes www.mdffshow.com make sure you check out any one of my networks overtime heroics network belly up sports network and unwrap sports network 
And make sure you're listening to this show or any of my shows on Radio Public or any one of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you want to go, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is available to you. I hope you guys all have a lovely day. I hope you guys all have a successful Thursday night game, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.